The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's Tour Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it's Mark Immelman. Mark, you hurried back, you scurried back from the course (laughs) just to talk to us, and for that, we appreciate you. Uh, Truth, Rick, I hurried as fast as you can hurry through Atlanta traffic, which typically calms down a little on the weekend. But we had that little Alabama somebody game down the road in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So it was hair-raising coming back where we made it. It's good to be on with you, man. Alabama-Miami is the somebody yeah, that so. you were looking for. Miami. Uh, that game is uh, a blowout. Mark, uh, yeah. before we jump into the top of the leaderboard here, you're our eyes, you're our ears, you're our feet on the ground. How is Eastlake playing this week? And with 18 holes to go, what do you expect for tomorrow? You know, Rick, it's it's playing incredibly well given Hurricane Ida and the remnants thereof tracking north and west of town. Um, I caught up with the rules officials earlier this week, and they said Monday they took about an inch worth of rain. And the place was pretty well saturated when I was out here Wednesday afternoon um, sort of hosting MCing that tra- charity match with Justin Rose and Andrew Jones and Warwick Dunn and Mariah Stackhouse. And there were a bunch of, you know, tracks in the rough from Standing Water and the place has just dried out and starting to play really well. Uh, we had some – the ball's not really rolling out rounds one and two, some mud on golf balls at times. Today I started to see balls running in the fairway. The greens have been immaculate the entire time. I mean, when I caught, uh, spoke with players Wednesday afternoon, all of them were shocked given how wet the golf course was from tee to green, how firm and fast the greens still were. And so like Corey Connors mentioned to me, he goes – it is placing such a premium on playing from the fairway because if you're coming out this wet Bermuda rough to firm greens, you've got no chance. And so I feel like it's been a really good test. It has played easier, you know, because the ball sort of sticking in the fairway a little bit more still. But that being said, it's if you look at the leaderboard, in my opinion, like it mostly does, it's identifying the guys who've been playing the best. Yeah, it certainly appears that way. And the man at the top of the leaderboard is Patrick Cantlay. Mark, his Friday round was steady Eddie. It was four birdies, uh, zero bogeys. His Saturday round, not nearly mm-hmm. as clean. He had three bogeys on the card, kind of fought himself on a couple of swings. But at the end of the day, it's a three under 67. And that two-shot lead that he started with on Thursday morning is the same gap that he will enter Sunday's final round with. So all of those naysayers about the staggered start, where they're now. Right? No, just all jokes aside, we, you, you know the truth of it is the closer you get to the finish line, the more the nerves become jangled and and, and things are going to tighten. Look, I don't care who you are and, and how what the 
condition of your resume is like and how many trophies you got on the mantelpiece and how many millions of dollars you got in the bank account. 15 million reasons to tighten up a little bit and the closer you get to Sunday afternoon late, the more, you know, things start getting a little real. And, you know, that freewheeling nature he had going on, perhaps, that tightened up. But kudos to him for, I wouldn't call it the bad day because I thought today, uh, I thought the rules officials introduced the guys with a few easier hole locations the first few holes so you could climb under par but from then it was a pretty good test and and it was going to challenge you coming in and the margins are sort of fine so you can expect the odd bogey or two i think the key i think what he's done has been great and building on to tomorrow i think just avoiding the odd big number because you can have the 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 odd paper cut the odd bogey but just don't turn that into anything disastrous so he got by a good day today in 67 if you had offered him that teeing off, he would have said, sure, I'm out of here. Yeah, absolutely right. He would have. For the week in just raw scoring, don't count the starting strokes. He's 10 under par, so he's played great. He is two shots back of the shadow leaderboard to the man, John Rom, Mark, who uh, shot a 68 on Saturday. Rom continues uh, to impress. He has, it's, he's been within arm's reach, essentially, of Patrick Cantlay throughout the entirety of this event. He started four shots back. He's been uh, one back. Back, two back. He's he's two back going into the the final round. He's just he's just been hanging around, biding his time, and with eighteen holes to go, he's right in the mix yet again. He is and um, you know I commend Kyle Porter for all the research he's done on John Rahm, and he's pointed out a number of different ball striking metrics that have just proven how good John Rahm is. But I got to tell you, man, I've seen some golf in my fifty years. And I've spent a little time watching him in practice. Uh, you know, I saw him someone we had featured holes later on in our PGA Tour Live broadcast. And he is hitting the thing out of the center of the bat with high regularity. And you can speak about strokes, gain, approach, and whatever, whatever. But these balls are hit hard. And more to me, they hit free. There's never any hold back. Like if he's between clubs, he and Adam Hayes are pulling the shorter club and they are going aerial and this thing is lashed man i gotta tell you and um you know when a player is comfortable when you can see that the club head moves uninterrupted from the top of the backswing to the follow-through and every pass i've seen john rahm make has had that essence to it so the what i'm seeing i guess is bearing out what carl was saying statistically and that he's just swinging so free and just striking it so well you know he's going to give himself a lot more opportunities tomorrow. Yeah, in terms of the raw scoring, he is 12 under par for the week. It is the best in the field. There were two 65s out there on Saturday, Mark. One early by Abraham Answer, and the other by Justin Thomas. Who? Who? A man, who? Who? A man that I know you are... <laughs> Keeping close tabs on. He's on my favorites on my leaderboard, on my phone favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can get into this with the day that Bryson had, and the day that Justin Thomas had. Uh, do, I'm doing some quick ma- napkin math over here on the one and done standings, but it was Justin Thomas uh, who went absolutely nuts. He made birdies at, at 12, 13, 14. He had three more on his front nine. He actually gave one back mark on 18. Um, you, you always wonder how how a guy sleeps at night, uh, knowing he shot a great round, knowing he 
made a big move, but he got to 18, which is a hole that, that many golfers have taken advantage of. And you cough one up there, just a little sour taste in the mouth for dinner tonight. You know, the Justin Thomas I saw on the golf course when he came through our featured hole, you know when a guy's feeling it because they get this glazed over look in their eyes. And 15's the par three, and we're done with featured holes, and I'm standing on the left side of the tee, and he comes walking past. Now, I've known Justin Thomas since he was a, a scrawny tot coming out of Alabama, all right? And he just completely walked past me, and you could see he was so singular in the focus. And you got the sense, I mean, I got the sense that this boy is feeling it. And then there he's on the tee, and little breeze out the right. He tries to sort of shot, make, carve a six iron against the breeze, pulls it some into a horrid spot in that left bunker. And I'd been there for a while, and nobody had got the thing up and down because the bunker was firm. He had this gorgeous little touch shot and then made the five-and-a-half-footer. So to me, he stole one. Now, spending one on 18, yeah, I'm sure he will rue that. But i got to tell you, Rick, the guy I saw walking onto 15 is like this boy. He was not unconscious, but he looked like he was up for a battle with anybody. And if Goliath was on the tee, Justin was going to take a six iron to the guy's knees because it was, it was that sort of situation where you see the athlete at the height of his powers, full adrenaline surging, off we go. So I think, you know, the blip on 18, it's, it's just that. It's a blip on the radar, the 18 more opportunities tomorrow, and um, he's looking fairly stout. He is. If he wants to win, he's going to have to get busy. He's five shots back. And according to our friends over at Caesars, Mark, he is 10 to one to win the tour championship. They are focusing on the two golfers at the top. Patrick Cantlay minus 125, a little bit better than a coin flip to win the tour championship and the FedEx Cup, while John Rahm remains two back and he is plus 140. Now, we've seen all week long, even before the week started, Mark, odds make have been dying to get John Rahm in here as the favorite. He, he, he opened as the favorite, even though he was, or the co-favorite, even though he was four shots back of Patrick Cantlay. Anytime throughout this event, he has gotten within a shot. Uh, they have essentially made him the favorite. So it doesn't appear that our friends over at Caesars are too worried about this two shot lead, but we've only got 18 to go here, Mark. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, here's my take. It's, it's well-deserved that, uh, the fact that he's the favorite, he's the number one player, he's playing beautifully. Um, but, you know, in final rounds, he, he's, he's yet to really convert. I mean, he didn't play the final round at the Memorial because of the COVID debacle, and he played beautifully at the U.S. Open and was sort of in the mix, but then finished with a flourish on 17 and 18, and all of a sudden he's the champion. And then a few times he's played with the lead and sort of spilled the thing, to be honest with you. But I still think he's the favorite, but my take is this, and I will say this to you guys until uh, you, you put me in a coffin one day. You know, you show me a man that can putt, and I will show you a match for any man. Mm. And the way Patrick Cantlay hits it, that's good enough. But the way he's rolling it, man, he's made some saves today to keep himself in it. He is the, the whole must look like the size of a bucket. Now that, to your observations always, which are very appropriate, that hole's going to look smaller. But it's going to look smaller for everybody. And John's and Ram is two back. So he's, in my opinion, got to get off to a fast start tomorrow and try and clip into that lead. Because I think if Cantlay maybe nips one back and gets like three ahead with a few holes to go, he just doesn't look like he's likely to back down. He really doesn't because he's driving it good. The irons are good enough. 
You know, he smiled at me walking off the tee, which was surprising because he hardly ever smiles on the golf course. And that sort of said to me, I'm like, whoa, this is a different dude. So, yeah, Ram should be the favorite, but Candler is not going to be an easy out. You you just have that effect on him, Mark, that you get a smile out of No, I, I've been watching. I mean, obviously, I've watched a lot of this in Patrick Cantlay because he started in the lead. We've seen probably televised every single one of the shots that he has hit this week, which is rare, right? To see every single shot mm-hmm. that a player hits over four days, but we're essentially getting it here. I think his speed control on these greens has been magnificent even the ones that he misses he's got the pace on he he doesn't seem to be making any big mistakes with the flat stick we went back you know you go back to last week where he had literally the greatest putting week ever recorded in the shot link era i mean he is he's feeling it with the flat stick he feels he must feel like he's in complete control with that club and i made the observation um in our booth at the time when i was out there on 15 you've got mark wilson who's won five times on tour bill Kratzett who's seen the comings and goings, multiple winner on the tour, and he's called golf on the golf course since Moby Dick was a minnow. So Bill knows his stuff, okay? And I said to them, they'd said something about Cantlay, and then I said, you know what's amazing is how that flat stick, that putter, the the shortest club in the bag, has this knock-on effect throughout the bag. And both of them almost spoke over each other as they were like, you know, you're absolutely right, and especially under pressure. If you are that guy who's leaving yourself, the pace control now argument, those stress-free pars, you lag it up there, you put the par on the card, your partner, your competitor is struggling from four feet, that just, you know, it keeps the momentum going on. Then you miss a green, you chip it up there five feet, you make, like on the first hole of the day, you made like 10 feet for par, and he'd been all over the joint. That does worlds for confidence. And I'll tell you what, in a situation where this could potentially become that two-horse deal, between Ram and Cantlay, you make putts on the other guy and you're going to wear him down mentally. It's, it's a reality. Mm. I can't wait. One more round to go in our super season. And we had uh, a WD today mm. from one of the game's uh, biggest names. We're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Mark, uh, Brooks Kepka withdrew from the tour championship here on Saturday. Uh, there was footage of him on the side of, uh, I guess it was 10 fairway, kind of in the rough by a tree, just absolutely demolishing a tree root. And, and a, a, a tree root is the arch nemesis of the golfer. Um, from what we understand, I and mean, obviously he, he, he and his caddy, Ricky Elliott did, did, did not, think it was there or know it was there or did not think it was going to be an issue. He tried to gut it out. He took a couple of more swings onto 11, kept shaking the wrist. And then in the post round interview, or, or I guess before he left the grounds, he basically mentioned that this is the same wrist mark that he had issues with a couple of years ago. And he really just didn't want to risk anything and just see how it goes. Obviously we've got the Ryder cup coming up, but this was uh it, it's always scary to see a guy smack a root like that. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not in the position to comment with any authority on this because I was on the course. I heard the report. Um, but what I can tell you, first off, you're right. I have no idea that the Ryder Cup looming had a big decision on, on him pulling out. And then secondly, and I've said this time and time again, and Brooks appears to have been a bit snake bit when it comes to injuries. There are no guarantees. Tomorrow is never a guarantee. You never know what's likely to happen. It could be one shot like that, even in practice, where you jam that right wrist or whatever it was against a root, and there goes your season. You know, I'm related to someone who had to have wrist surgery, and it didn't put paid to Trevor's career, but it was, you know, kind of the foreshadowing of Trevor becoming a TV guy earlier than he should have. So uh, it's it's real. You know, they, these guys are at the speeds they're going, playing on a knife edge most of the time, and I'm sad to see it. But that being said, I'm sure Captain Stricker is glad that one of his dogs is taking a little time off just to heal that thing up before whistling straights. Well, we are potentially going to get a little bit of news from Brooks Kepka on the injury front before the Ryder Cup because, Mark, you may not know this, he has a match scheduled oh. with Dave Portnoy of Barstool where he is intending to play, Brooks this is, left-handed, next week so i guess we're gonna find out sooner rather than later well um i guess you'll find out if it's a bs story or not if he goes ahead and plays now i know they're raising money for charity that's a big deal and i know it's a lot of money that they're playing for it's a quarter of a million dollars or something like that right i think that's right yeah. yeah so it's a pretty penny so yes there's a lot of good that can be gained from this but if we're taking the managerial view and we're looking down the track, so nah, uh, uh, he, he should he should bow out, say, "Look, Dave, I'm going to concede. You won by default. Here's a quarter of a million dollars to whatever charity. Let's go ahead and play the Ryder Cup." Well, we shall see, and we shall see how the Tour Championship wraps up. 18 holes to go. We'll be back after the final round to break it all down. But for wait, 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 don't you go anywhere now? <laughs> what do you got? I know you've done the arithmetic. What's that, what's happening with Brasson and JT and Cam Smith, right? Huh? All right. So I believe you are uh, – you started the week, I believe, 1.1 back. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what you started. And the uh, payouts are large. So the difference between third, you know, a solo third, which would be – let's see here. Okay, you started one po- – yeah, 1.1 million back. <laughs> The payouts for th- solo third would be 1.2 million. Right. Okay. Okay. Maybe it was more than I thought. Maybe, maybe I'm safer than I thought. Uh, so if you got 1.2 from JT and I got, let's see, T7 from that's uh, not enough. Bryson, I'd get like 600,000. No, you need, you need more. You need, you need Bryson to have another day like he had today <laughs> and JT to like, <laughs> like tie for second or something. I'm not allowed to do that. I'll tell a quick story. You know, I come from a golfing family. Um, My mom has been an avid golf watcher all of her life. And my brother was in contention somewhere. It was still early in his career. And I was the coach and we were walking along. And he was in the final group, I think it was. And the guy who was ahead of him makes double. And I looked at my mom. I'm like, this is good news. Yes. You know, under my breath. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. And my mom, actually, now I'm... I don't know, 29, 30, whatever the case might be, she grabs me by my ear and she says, don't you ever do that again. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she looks at me, she goes, that boy has a mother who wants to throw up, throw up somewhere behind a bush right now. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And so I'm sort of respectful of her, but still Bryson, 
do me a favor tomorrow. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, Bryce has got a lot of money, Mark. Yeah, you know, exactly. listen, yeah. he's, on, he's, he's gonna play a volatile strategy. Sometimes it goes wrong. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, we'll be back tomorrow evening to break it all down and see the final one and done results for this season. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Mark Immelman. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.